The Freebuy Super Series is back. From August 28th to September 6th, America's Card Room will host the Freebuy Super Series 2, where you can compete for your share of $150,000 guaranteed prize pool absolutely free. Every one of the 57 events in the Freebuy Super Series is free to enter with guaranteed prize pools starting at $500 and spiral all the way up to the $20,000 main event. Where else can you win a share of $150,000 prize pools without spending a penny? Visit americascardroom.com today. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 54 on the oneouter.com podcast sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account using one of the links on the oneouter.com webpage. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are available on the oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. Just search for the oneouter.com podcast. Alex, how are you today? Episode 54. I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy to be here. Good, good. How's uh, things coming along with your plans for the WPT? We spoke about that last time. Uh, good. You know, I'm trying to get... It's kind of hard balancing everything right before you leave. It's like, you know, of course you want to spend time with the wife just in case, you know, hopefully you're gone for a week and, you know, you're really out there working the whole time. So, you know, you're trying to spend time with the wife, but you, you get, I got all these students and, you know, I'm trying to do right by them and like get their, you know, try to get the, get their lessons done uh, before I head out for what might be two days, but what might be longer, you know? And then, uh, yeah, you know, it's been going all right, you know, just trying to keep trying to keep everything together. I think I'm all caught up on everything, but man, it it's not been a it's not been an easy process some days. Like yesterday I worked from I I think it was like 7 a.m. till 7 p.m., 8 p.m. or something like that. It was pretty it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, with going out to the WPT and that, like obviously you've done a lot of these tournaments now and World Series and things, do you sort of approach them any differently each time, like think, alright, last time I maybe did that, that I said I wasn't going to do again, but I, you know, I did that a couple of times live, or, or are you pretty much on autopilot before and during these events now, or are you still sort of always tinkering with your thoughts before you go and stuff. Just, just like I was wondering that myself. I see what you're saying. No, that makes a lot. That's actually a really good question. Uh, Phil Ivey said something that was pretty wise one time, which was, I, he, he taught, I mean, he didn't put this in as quite as eloquent of terms as I've, re, you know, now that I've redone it in my mind a thousand times, perhaps I've come up with what he was trying to say. But, his exact words, I think, was like, I never have a plan when I show up at a final table. I get there, and I see what the table will give me. And I I think that was a very zen way of saying, like, you know, be flexible, be the water. Like, Mm -hmm. see, because there's sometimes you show up, and, like, just everybody wants to play every single hand. And, like, three bet or four bet. And if you came in with this plan of, I'm really going to come in and take charge, that's really going to you know, that's going to really conflict with you and you're, you're going to feel like a, uh, an ingratiation, I guess is the word. I think you're going to feel like a friction that didn't necessarily have to be there if you came in with a fixed plan. So um, most of what I try to focus on is like process orientated. Uh, so I, I really, 
like the things I'll focus on is like I didn't work out the day before. I didn't work out. I, I mean, excuse me. I worked out every day of the PCA except for the day I busted the year I like bubbled the final table. So like the next event was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to work out every day. And like to my credit that time, that was because I got some throat infection. That was horrible. But uh, yeah, it was uh, I, like you, you try to focus on like, what am I going to eat? Uh, what time am I going to wake up? What time am I going to go to bed the night before? And then you, it, the things I focus on are like, did I really let, you know, someone uh, not get under my skin, but affect my game? Perhaps yeah. like I, I never like, like, I never like go out of my way to like play against someone because they're, you know, just try, chomping at the bit to, you know, get at me. But it, there's other times where it's like, well, maybe you're not playing enough because like you don't want to you know, get into a confrontation with this person. So the things I try to focus on are like how, uh, how like in the moment I was, like how relaxed I was or like was I letting like petty stuff like get on my nerves. And, you know, if that kind of stuff happens, you know, it's just really hard to win a poker tournament like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's more outside the game stuff rather than uh, processes of like, yeah, it's more routine and things like that yeah exactly and trying to you know just trying to be civil with people trying to uh you know that's a big thing you don't want to get into an argument about anything if they have a poker tournament because i kind of get into uh you know you just you're you're not really thinking the way you probably should there i i think you're experiencing a hormonal flush uh, it's like tilt, tilting before you yeah, start. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like one of those things, like, don't talk about that topic with your significant other. or You know what I mean? Like, don't, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I think I think I even think like that sometimes. It's like, yeah, just don't, just bite your tongue sometimes because you know it might lead down. It. Don't discuss politics at the dinner table. Yeah, <laughs> it, just never, it just never works. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, like... Uh, or a big example is like taxi drivers long haul me like all the time, right? And I don't know why I look like a guy who can't fight back or you know Google Maps something, but uh, you know typically I'll say something and you know like hey man you know this should have been this fare should have been nine dollars and twenty cents you long haul me to thirteen fifty but like you know, if me and this guy get into a shouting match before the tournament, like that four bucks could cost me my vision, you know, for a 10 K. So it's just like, yeah, buddy, you know, like, you know, good luck to you in this life and the next one, you're going to need it. Like, but yeah, anyway, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. So how's, how's your week went then? Anything to note you've been playing much or what's Twitch? Oh app? yeah. I should talk about that on a Sunday. We had a pretty awesome Twitch session. And if you guys want to watch for free, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to play. I, I. I don't think I'm going to be able to play poker this week, on Twitch just because of getting ready for my WPT trip. Uh, and but I made all the videos public, on Twitch for a limited time, so you can go back and watch this on Sunday. I final table to 5:20. I think it's 5:30. High roller. Uh, 20k guaranteed on America's card room and at the same time I final table their 215 100k major and yeah it went uh, uh, it, it went pretty well it was a, it was a good time if you guys don't want spoilers uh, 
you should probably fast forward like five minutes in this program right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, okay, I gave you fair enough warning. I took second in the 100K. I, re I really didn't feel bad about anything I did in that tournament. I uh, Heads up, I, I mean, I got to heads up and I just, you know, I had a good number of shifts, but the other guy was just steamrolling everybody. And I just, you know, I made the right call. He just got there. There was nothing really... Uh, the high roller, I made one play. I probably would take back. It's probably like in a vacuum, not a bad play. But for my overall schematic for how to play poker, I probably it, it deviates from what I think is a proper final table. And uh, but yeah, it was really fun. You know, it's like uh, you know, for four hours was on the mic. You know, like going deep. And I'm uh, I wanted to make like uh, twenty thousand. Uh, I, I wanted to make like $20,000 before WCOOP on America's Card Room. That way, you know, uh, then WCOOP costs you like 10 k right? As opposed to 32 or 30, uh, I mean 30. Uh, at, at 10K versus 30K is a pretty big deal, and that's with the high roller thrown in. If you take out the high roller, like you, you essentially – uh, you're not obviously you're not free rolling the W coup, but it, it's good to think of. Well, you know, if this W coup doesn't go well, I'm not like at a loss total that was higher than what you know it would have been for the year. At this point, like I, I'm doing okay on the year, but I'm not like you know I'm not like reaching for the stars after that blank scoop and that W coup. I am negative, and uh, I mean that scoop and that WSOP. Uh, I mean, it's just too hard to break that many 10Ks and, like, show a profit, even with two full-tilt major final tables and stuff like that. It's a, it's a very slight loss, and it's something, like, I could come out from. But, like, if you just, like, you know, if you go to another tournament series and you brick it and you didn't grind before it, it it's really bad for you. So, like, your bottom, <laughs> line, your bottom line depends on these bread-and-butter tournaments, these 50 hundreds or... Uh, some cases like 215s and stuff, you know, like uh, the 215 on America's Card Room is really soft. And I mean, I also have an added advantage in these tournaments that I can rebuy for a pretty, you know, for like a pretty long time, right? And there's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's like being able to play several major final, it, like on iPoker, if I could play you know, if I could play all their majors, like, four times, <laughs> like, I don't think I'd play on Stars on Sunday, right? And now, finally, there's an America's Card, you know, America's Card Room. It's like, I, can, I either get a deep run in a major or I can, or I can rebuy until <laughs> I have one, right? And sure <laughs> enough, like, now, obviously, you know, a lot of people go, like, oh, well, the rebuy makes it harder for, like, the common guy. And it's like, I don't know, man. I see a lot of guys just, like, tanking money there, you know what I mean? And then they're like rebuying with like way too much. So I think it kind of equals out and like, yeah, on Sunday, you know, it's my first day playing tournaments in a while. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I hadn't in the money cash and the 162, the 215, the 530, five, it was awesome, man. It was just really fun. And cash has been, uh, cash has been pretty good up until then. And then, also, I mean, like, the rake back on the side. Like, when you're playing, like, 2-4, no limit hold'em, and you play, like, you know, you're playing, like, heads... I play, like, a couple heads-up tables, and I'll play, like, six or eight, like, 2-4, no limit, six max tables. Like, the rake back, like, really adds up, like, mm -hmm. at a certain time. So, you know, it's been... 
it's just been nice making money, like, you know, to be quite frank. Like, it's uh, uh, just because, I mean, that's kind of what I got into poker for, you know. It's, uh, uh, it, it really was about the money and being able to support myself. And, like, you can play on, like, you know, you play the WSOP and you play, like, Poker Stars. And it's like, you know, like, the WSOP was paying out, like, 6% for first on some of these tournaments. And uh, Poker Stars, like, across the field is, like, 12%. And then, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the, the one of the tournaments I was playing at the final table, like, first was, like, 25%. So it's like, you know, really, like, that 215 uh, you know, like second was like 12k, and it like it didn't have a ton of runners, so like I mean that definitely like really helps. But yeah, my goal was like 20. I have a, I, I've made like 13 up and uh, up until now uh, since I got home from the WSOP. So you know I'm a, I'm on target for the W coup, but then you know, <laughs> but please Lord, don't let me brick another <laughs> you know like tournament <laughs> series. Like that's gonna be. That'll be a little rough this time around, but oh, you could always just win the WPT as well and just set you up. Yeah, really yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's the weird thing. Like once you start playing professionally, like wins don't like wins are like like they enter your mind. Like oh yeah, that could happen. But like if you go to like PokerDope.com, which is like it, it shows like a distribution of like you know like what's gonna happen to most players. It's like uh. If you play the Sunday Million every single Sunday for 10 years, like, and you're a profitable player, there's a 50% chance you will not make money at the mm -hmm. end of that 10 years, right? So really what you're always trying to think of is, like, how can I sell pieces at a markup to pocket cash? You know, how can I grind up in these, like, 50s and 100s on, like, iPoker and America's Card Room? How can I, you know, how can I get into, like, a juicy cash game to, like, have this game? Like, this is how, I, I mean, like, as far as like bottom line, I, I've you know I've stood the test of time for ten years, and I know how much hustling there is in it, right? And like how yeah. the, you know firsts are nice, right? Like they definitely happen, uh, but like if that's your uh, if you're depending on that, you're you're gonna be sorely uh, you're you're gonna be sorely hurting at some point. And uh, so like when I see these kids in the car room talking about like. Yeah, I'm just, you know, like, man, fire it up. I'm going to I'm gonna win a bracelet or whatever. I'm like, man, you don't do this for a living. I'm like, your backer is going to, your, your backer is going to be hurting here in a couple of years, man. Like, this is, uh, you know, there was a kid, uh, <clears throat> there was a kid at my table. Uh, you know, he showed up. He, he raced under the gun with ace-nine off at a very tough table. He's like, this is a very known player, by the way. Uh, raised with ace-nine off. Uh, I pretty much no way you can make that profitable. Like not none. Uh, guy shoves like 17 X from the small blind. He calls another bad play. <laughs> like uh, it, probably not that likely that guy's shoving a seven suited 100% of the time. And even if he is, it's still an unprofitable play. Right. And uh, anyway, guy gets there and, you know, then he talks about, you know, like I, I registered, in the Bellagio Cup last year with 7X, ended up almost making the final table, right? And I'm, I was like, I was honestly worried for this guy because it was like, you could just see the look on his face. It was like, you know, it's all about first. It's like, you can't win if you yeah. fold, right? And this is like a really known player, but like I was there for five minutes. I was like, dude, 
Like, this is bad. You know what I mean? Buying into a 10K when you're going to get, like, eight big blinds? <laughs> Are you serious? And I was like, yeah. who's giving you this money? You know what I mean? And then, you know, the other, like, so-called pro at the table is like, oh, yeah, you know, man, like, fire it in. And I was like... Uh, all right, I, I I don't think I don't think either of you dolts do this for a living. Like I I don't like there's no chance. And then it's really weird when I like go to a tournament. It's like, hey, you know that kid? That kid just won. Da, da, da. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, if he holds, on, I really want him to hold on to that money. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, people think I'm like vindictive or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. I would be really happy if this guy held on to that money, right? What, what's really painful is seeing these guys like just have stars in their eyes and like really love the game of poker to the point they just can't stop playing and they start doing negative EV things and God help them. They get rewarded once and then they start taking every dollar they have down that road. That's like, that's like tough to watch. You know what I mean? And then like the bro, you know, like the drug addiction and the broke. God help. Uh, I really hope that doesn't happen to like anyone. It's just like, but you see it so much. It's like, ugh, you know what I mean? So really it it comes down to just like pure hustling at some point, you know what I mean? Like small games, cash, you know what I mean? Like juicy cash games. And really, if I was really into it, I'd learn all the mixed games, you know what I mean? Because that's where a lot of like the juicy that's where like the juicy action is. I took a stud eight lesson this week, man. I was like, I, I I had never felt more like a kid again. I was like, it was exciting, but at the same time, it was like, wow, I don't know anything about poker. <laughs> like, this is was so... This your, was this your study thing? <coughs> yeah, yeah uh, sorry. What? I, I read that in your blog. You study it. You got, like, a lesson yeah, for study. I got a, I got, yeah, I got a, like, a bracelet winner from... Uh, the WSOP and like one of the few guys I think really deserves one uh, bracelet. And uh, yeah, he was just teaching me and you know, he, it was one of those things where it was like, slow down, man. Like I'm filling the legal pad. Like this <laughs> is, uh, this is like, it, it was one of those things like he'd make an off the cuff remark. And I was like, Whoa, like I'd never thought of that. Right. And it's like, you think like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I'm one of the best players in the world and no limit hold him. Like, another poker game should be right up my alley, right? And it's like, no, like, no, this is completely different, right? Like, this is so different. So I was like, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a learning experience. It's good to learn other stuff too. It keeps you humble. You know what I mean? Like it keeps you not thinking like you're too, you know, you're too good or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, good luck at the WPT. And Alex was saying those uh, Sunday tournaments he was referring to, that was the, 10, uh, the 9th of August. Yes, Just in sir. case you are li- listening to this back, because we do have a few podcasts in the can that are going to launch uh, before this one goes out. So um, oh, yeah, check, that right. out on his, check, check that out on his Twitch channel. Okay, so we'll get into the questions, Alex. Um let me see. The first one, we'll just we'll just go with the order. Let's go for it. There is one I want to touch on because I think it's a good question. But All right. uh, we'll see we'll see how the order comes out. Uh, this one is from Lance. He says, uh, "Hi Alex, I would like to know more about mid stages of MTT play. Is it right to force it sometimes or push to build a stack for a real run at the final table, especially when still a distance from min cashing?" I'm uh, one of the good, uh, hold on, uh, hold on one second. 
<clears throat> I just tried to get a quick sip of coffee and a little went down the wrong pipe. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, the good thing about, I, I call this the dog fighting stage in my head because in the middle stages of the tournament, you really are very close to Chip EV still. Uh, right before the bubble, you should really do the ICM calcs and see how much your chips are worth. And, uh, you know, if you wait a few spots, how much are they going to be worth in real money? And if there's a significant difference, uh, you might want to lay off that ace nine off under the gun. But uh, if there's uh, in middle position, I, I, I mean, excuse me, in middle stages, uh, generally you're too far away from the money to think about like laddering up uh, unless you're Casey Castle. It's like, have you ever heard of Casey Castle, Barry? Mm, I don't know. It rings a bell in the background somewhere. Casey Castle was famous when I was a kid because he cashed more WPTs than anybody else in the first few seasons. Well, I've he, maybe seen him on one of his broadcasts or something. Yeah, I don't, know, I, sure. I, I don't think he ever made a WPT final table. Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking. But he wasn't like a bad player. He was just, you know, old school tournament pro. The cash is everything, right? But yeah. uh, sorry, I just made a reference. I was like, I don't think anyone's gonna catch that one. Like not one person. Like, but anyhow, uh, except for the old school American pros. But. Uh, yeah, it, it's like you're far enough away from the money where you're still, like, operating on ship EV. So I wouldn't say you want to push it. Like, you don't want to take, like, negative EV pulls. Like, those situations are pretty rare. Uh, but I would say, like, if you think it's like – there are times, like, let's say I'm at the final table. Like, I was at uh, – uh, I, I was really disappointed in my high roller final table this Sunday because – I came in with the chip lead and like there pretty much was nobody else like closer to me. And like your, your big thing there is like, don't get into a pot with the chip leader. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> I still managed to find a way to finish fifth. And, uh, one of those things is like, let's say like, you're pretty sure I, I just did a card runners video where it was like the board came eight of hearts, seven hearts, three of spades. Right. And we defined that our opponent would have raised anything better than two pair, uh, would have, like, raised an over pair. On that capped range, I just, like, out of curiosity, I put, like, any I, – I made random turn in river cards, and I had a guy, like, set up a turn in river jam. And uh, it, it was, it was kind of weird how, like, if it was any two random cards, you could turn a profit, like – if you uh, if you close your eyes on a board where the guy's like range is capped, like the guy can only have like one pair, and all of the world is over cards, and he probably can't even have a lot of flush draws because he would have raised them, so all the hearts are bad, and you have him even calling down really sick. Like I had him calling down like, you know, like third pair, like like pocket third pair, right, and then uh. He, you, he couldn't turn a profit. Like, there was no chance he could turn a profit, right? And I was thinking, but, like, the the one place you can't do that is, like, just before the money or, like, just are right on the right on the final table because, you know, if me and the chip leader get into a huge pot, like, we just, you know, we walk around the table and just hand out Benjamins to everybody who's on the short sack and equity, right? So, but in the middle stages, you really don't have any of this. 
So this is the time, if you've bulked up on your barrel game, and you really can do that really efficiently these days with all the training videos out there, if you've bulked up on your barrel game and you should be pay, playing tournaments that, you know, uh, people are still taking somewhat seriously but, like, are just below your bankroll so you can practice this out. So, like, if $30 is not going to kill you but, like, the, you know, three hours into a $30 tournament, people are taking it pretty seriously. This is a good place to practice barreling off or whatever in the middle stages of the tournament because people are taking it seriously. That's right when people are really taking it seriously, but you don't have the ICM considerations that could prevent you from barreling off there. So that's where you should be going. And if it sounds like it's going to be arduous, like you're going to be getting <coughs> – <laughs> Sorry about that. Like you're going to be, you know, oh, man, how many tournaments do I have to play three hours of and then, you know, barrel off and see what happens? Well, you're going to have to play thousands of them. You know, welcome welcome to the world. It's, uh, I mean, it's just how it's going to go. And it's a lot of practice, and uh, but it gets really fun because the middle stages is when people start, you know, they kind of clam up. They uh, they start, you know, like maybe, maybe i got to keep my – People kind of fall into two categories. They either clam up because it's like, I have a decent stack now and I want to get into the money, or they're like, I got to get this to the final table and to the win, man. I better, you know, I better play every pot. And it's like, if they're playing every pot, like, yeah, you got to start three betting and firing off there. And if they're not playing anything, you got to start firing off. You know, you got to, got to keep going. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in a roundabout way, I think I just answered yes to your question, but don't take negative EV polls to do it. I hear a lot of people like, I'm going to gamble here because then I'll have a lot of chips, and I can use that to punish people. It's like, you know, this isn't 2003. Like, people don't fold queens to a re-raise anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know how big of an edge you're going to have. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't really, like, go out of it. As you said earlier, um when we were discussing how you prepare for tournaments and stuff, I suppose it just comes down to, again, playing this every situation in table and tournament, sort of yeah. reacting rather than being this, right, I'm going to go out and just barrel, barrel, or I'm going to just go out and play super yeah. aggressive. Like, you know, I, like, I, I, don't force it. Yeah, if I think about it, I did, like, four triple barrel bluffs the last time I was in Fort Lauderdale, but it was one of those things, like, the board, like, afforded me that opportunity, right? And, yeah. uh, I think during the entire WSOP, the, I'm, I, I can't remember. Oh, no, I did one triple barrel bluff, and it didn't work, uh, which was the guy The guy looked like he was going to vomit everywhere, and he, like, check called with the nut flush draw and the flop, which I didn't really anticipate. And then, like, he hits – no, he hits the second nuts on the river. I jam. He tanks for 20 seconds and then calls with his head, like, in his hands. And I was like, okay, good call with second pair or whatever, right? <laughs> and he's like – you know, he's like second that flush, and he's like, "I'm so sick at this game, right?" And I'm, like, <laughs> I was like, "Man, if you, you know, if you're hitting the brakes with that hand, like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like, hey, that's a little odd." But any, anyhow. Okay. Um. Next question is from Scott. I'm thinking about traveling and playing poker on the road for a bit of an adventure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and hopefully uh, help pay my expenses or at least some of them with poker winnings. Uh, I'm a winning small stakes cash life player, one dollar, two dollar, looking to go to Europe and maybe come back to the states and finish in Vegas. 
any advice would be helpful. Thanks. I'd really separate. That's a cool question. I'd really separate your trips. Uh, like, I mean, if you're going somewhere to play cards, that's poker's kind of something you got to be obsessed about. Like, what's the conventions in this room? Uh, what are they going to react to? Uh, you know, there's sometimes guys like, uh, I was given an example the other day. It's like, oh, the flush draw comes in. In some rooms, if you lead out when that comes out, that's exactly what people would do uh, if, if they hit their flush. So maybe you can bluff that way. In California, that's not going to work uh, because people don't do that with their flush draws when they hit, right? Until you figure that stuff out, you're going to be playing suboptimally versus new people, right? And then you move on to the next room the next day, and it's like, yeah, it seems like a very romantic notion, like, you know, getting by on your wits. And it's like, if you want to play poker for fun, that's one thing. But, like, if you're going to use that to pay your expenses, like, around Europe, I don't know. To me, there's, like, two ways you do this. One is you show up there without a return ticket with money in your bag, and you just tell your parents, like, <laughs> I'm going to be homeless, like, for the next year, right? Like, that is a fine approach to me. Like that, if you, if your goal is just to slum it around Europe, you know, and play cards at the same time, I, I you know, I, I, I can't really knock that. I mean, I, I can't say I was slumming it when I was in Europe, but it, there were definitely times like, uh, I, I mean, I'll never, for, I, I'll never forget. I was in Denmark and like, I, I had like $200 to my name and like, I was sleeping out of a hostel and somebody put me in a 10 K and, like, I, I remember thinking that was pretty weird. I, like, woke up with, like, 20 Indian immigrants and then, like, you know, went to Find your bed. Yeah. <laughs> all in my bed. And then 20, 20 Indian immigrants, I went to the communal bathroom. And they were like, where are you going today? I'm like, I'm going to go play uh, a 10K tournament at a five-star <laughs> hotel. I'll talk to you all later, later. Right. What? You know, and they thought, like. Man, that's a pretty creative thing to come up with to tell you to piss off, man. You shouldn't ask him that, that that again, right? And then, you know, it was like, you know, I mean, there was like a romance to it and like going around and like, you know, meeting new people and then like staying in people's houses and stuff like that, like relying on the kindness of strangers. But like, it, if you're one of those people who likes stability and a lot of people do, like, I would not recommend it. Like, it's, you know, like... You're crowding into like, I, I mean, like crowding into like trains and then like having people like try to, you know, I was on like this real bummy train and then they like, <laughs> you, you know, like I, I got knocked for, I think we've talked about this on the show, but like I got knocked for possession of like nothing, a few joints, right? And they like kicked my ass off the train, threw me on an interrogation room. I was like, I bet this doesn't happen on the four star train. I was like, I don't think this happens. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff is going to happen a lot. I don't know if you're American or not, but like there's not, you know, I, I'm sure in America they've told you this whole like, oh, Europe is so educated and they spend so much time reading and they're like, it, it's not true. Like it's not, like I'm not, there's certainly, it's certainly like a very wonderful civilization and it's like very cool to see towns that are like 10 times the age of our entire country. But like the way they treat a lot of Americans in a lot of different countries is not exactly what I think you're thinking is going to happen. And especially like when you show up, like when you're fresh from America and you have the very pronounced accent and... <clears throat> There's just things Americans 
I, I, I uh, hold on a second, guys. <coughs> and I'm trying to make a really hard editing job for Barry, but uh, with all the coughing. But uh, like when you show up, like Americans have a way of about themselves that's very. I don't know. Like, it still shocks me being American when I go back to the States. Like, it's just like, wow, this pisses me off, right? And you you take that to a country where they're, like, they're pretty civil and they have, like, different, uh, you know, it, like, there's different things, like, you're expected to do in the Netherlands that, like, nobody would even think of in the States. And, like, people, you know, people are going to, you're in their country, and uh, they might tell you what how it is, you know what I mean? And uh, some people take it a little too far because they have a problem with the states, uh, and that's not really that cool. Uh, other people are just going to, you know, it, it, just by the fact that English is their second language, it's going to sound a lot more brutal than they mean it to be, right? And, you, you know, it's, that's kind of what you've got to deal with when you go over there. So I, see, I talk to a lot of guys that are like, I'm going to go to Europe, man. I'm going to backpack around. It's going to be really fun. And it's like, yeah, it, it will be very fun, uh, like, there, there's so many different civilizations in Europe that are so cool. And like, there's so many different cities that are so beautiful. And even like, uh, I made it sound like everybody in Europe is a jerk, but it's like, they're not going to welcome you with open arms just because you're Captain America, which is what a lot of Americans seem to think is going to happen when they go to America. Like these are different cultures and you will be navigating a new language every day. And it's very difficult and you're going to end up offending people. You know, it's just going to happen. Like, it's not, you know, it's not something you can do. But I mean, like, yeah, like going to like Paris is amazing. Everybody complains about Paris in the States. I thought it was incredible. It's uh, in like most people are really nice. It's just like, you know, it, there is the culture shock. And if like you multiply that a hundredfold by going to a different card room every day and the favoritism towards regulars is crazy in Europe. Like in Italy, I have literally never won a floor decision. Never. 24 different times. And I have seen the same floor decision go to an Italian, right? The exact same thing we're doing. But like they literally walk over, see I'm not Italian, and they go, oh, it, like there was one time they did not ask the question to the floor. I'm not making this up. They did not, the floor did not even hear the question the entire way, and he awarded the decision to the Italian, okay? And you're going to have to get used to that in every room. I don't think it's correct, but that's how they do it. And to be fair, for all I know, they do the same thing. Actually, I know American card rooms do the same thing. I've had friends show up as foreigners there, and they just hand decisions to the regulars, right? And you're going to, but you're, it's much more pronounced in Europe. So, like, if you feel like being yelled at by horrible regulars, uh, if, if you want a lot of these card rooms, you can't even beat uh, just because uh, of the rake. And, they're, they're, you know, like the casinos are always like the worst parts of every country to see. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not like you want to get out there somewhere. If you want to go over there and slum it and you have a lot of time, you can separate everything, right? You can like, okay, these are my days to go play in the card room. These are my days to like go play. Uh, these are my days to like go play here and uh, like go see over here or like go check out like castles here or like go do this. 
I think that's fine. If you're just going to go for three weeks and you're going to play cards, I mean, I think that's a horrible waste of a trip. You know, I, I would just like, you know, get your money and just like see Europe. You know what I mean? Or like play online. Like I used to, I used to play on American networks at like, one of the most enjoyable times I ever had in Europe was in Hungary. I would, uh, I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and I would grind cash till like 10, 11 a.m. And then I'd go enjoy the rest of my day in Hungary. And it was like, it was incredible, you know? And it was like, uh, you know, like had the little, rented out a little dumpy apartment next to the river there, which I can't remember the name of because I'm American like that. And then like, yeah, it was just, it was amazing because you were like done with poker by the end. And by the way, in those four hours, I probably played more hands than you'll play live in the entire like month you're there. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, especially like, I, I think the American, like America's card room, I, I, I didn't mean to weave this in, I, but like, if you're playing the cash games there on the American schedule, I think it's early morning in uh uh, oh, that's my business line, which never goes off. Sorry about that. Yeah, if the poker card room is on the American time zone, like America's card room is, and uh, you can just play like early morning. And a lot of people love like when they're traveling to Europe to like get their hands in early morning and then go on with the rest of their day. And then, you know, I think this also will keep you like enjoying uh the con- when I was doing that, like I wouldn't like go out partying the whole night because I had to wake up early, uh, you know, and you don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. You can wake up at 8 and play till 12. Uh, it, it'll be a few less tables. But like uh, it, it kept me like not, you know, being in the, on the seamier parts of the city because you got to wake up early in the morning. And most of what I did was just, you know see the city during the day and like talk to people during the day and, you know, like have coffees instead of like 20 beers and stuff like that. And it's a, yeah, it's fun. But I mean, if you wish to go forth and spew young man, make sure you do. I will kill this person. If you wish to go forth and spew young man, uh, I will really encourage you to do the full Monty, like to go out there and see every country, really bum it, really slum it, be out there for a year or like, don't play poker out there at all. Just go there for your three weeks, have your fun, and then come back and play poker in your more natural environment. You don't want to do anything in the middle. Yeah, and Alex's bat phone is ringing uh, it's the, the bat phone. It's, stopped now. it's, it's the bat phone. Now. Yeah, I love it's when I, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> it's Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, no, no, I love I love Costa Ricans. It's like this is the wrong number, okay. And they're like, okay, let me try this number again and see if like maybe it works yeah. this time. And it's like, well, no. Like it, it's not going to work. No, that's a that's my phone that literally like ten different gaming companies have and like clients, and it's like for emergencies. So normally when it rings, I like jump for it. And then like lately, I don't know who's gotten a hold of it. Like one one time somebody called me and asked for a pizza, and they like they yelled at me the order. They were like, "Can I get this?" And I was like, "Hey, calling a private residence." Oh, okay, sorry. And then yeah, it's been. It's been a good time. As per usual, one hour podcast is operating off the rails. Thank you. You're all welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just going to touch on that. Like you said it as well. There's this romance about, right, I'm going to leave and travel and play poker and go from town to town and this and whatever. 
But the I think the romance is in the travelling in itself, not just playing the cards yeah, as well. Like yeah, you say, yeah. if if you save up the money, you play online, put in a huge grind, take some money off the table and say, Right, I'm gonna go and play two, three weeks and I'll maybe play online or I'll maybe play the odd day, but I'm going with enough money to pay my trip and just yeah, backpack across Europe or whatever or see different cities. Then go home and get back to working. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I'm, I'm going away to China next month and I'm going to be going to Macau for like a day trip. Good luck. So I'm going. I'm go, I'm going to check out the, uh, you know, the some of the poker there for a laugh just to go and see it. You know, and maybe play some cash game for just just a couple of hours or something. Ma- you know, just to like Macau. Like. Macau's card room was the first place where I was like, "What am I doing with my life?" I was like playing. I was playing like two, four, no limit. And like, dude, they just chain smoke there, right? Like everybody, it's like me and eight Vietnamese people, like just in their chain smoking and they keep screaming. And my friend who's Vietnamese was like, yeah, they were calling you like every form of white devil they had. (laughs) Just like everyone, right? And you know, like when I blossed a pot, they would laugh at me. And stuff like that. And I was like, man, what? how did it come to this? But you do need to see it, Barry. It's like, it's yeah. it's one of the like. By the way, I knock on Europe a lot just because you guys knock on the states a lot. But like, I love the I love Europe. Like, I it, there's no place on earth where you can go and see so many different cities from so many different kingdoms. And so it's so crazy. You just take like that's why I hate like when I hear people are just in the card rooms or the hotels. It's like, dude, you take you get into a train. The train will take 45 minutes and you will literally be in like a different civilization. You will be in a different country with different customs, different like, you know, like different like ruins from like different eras, from like different sects and like different religions. And like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy to see, right? I'm, I'm a big like history dude. So it's yeah. like my poor wife, she like, I'll always drag her out to like some ruin that looks like somebody's house just got hit by a 747. And I'm like, look at this. <laughs> look at this. This is amazing. This is one so and so. And she's like, yeah, okay, cool, man. <laughs> you know, uh, why don't we go back to the beach? I'm like, no, no, no. I got to see that. I went in. What was it? I, Unless it's Normandy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Beach yeah, that was. <laughs> Well, the funny thing was, I've seen Normandy, and there's a big ass casino there, and I'm like, right. and I'm like, you know, I was pointing, you know, I was with somebody from England. I was like, hey, did you know uh, a bunch of my people got mowed down here trying to save your ass? And it was like, and like, yeah, twenty of them would show up, so the first sixteen would die. Yep, right there, uh, right, <laughs> right next to that casino and that liquor store. Yeah, right there. <laughs> it's like, thanks for memorializing us, thank you guys. Like, you're welcome, by the way. Like, you know, of course, you know, we get into the semantics of why it was happening and blah, blah, blah. But it was it was funny. Like, that was an eerie moment, you know, like I tried to see it. And I was like, hey, there's the liquor store. There's the crab shop. There's the, you know, like, I mean, they do that in the States, too. I saw this thing where the where the where the group that got together to kill Abraham Lincoln, like stayed in a, I think, it, I can't remember where it was, but, like, it's now, like, a Chinese takeout place. <laughs> <And they're> just, 
<laughs> and, you know, the historical society is, like, trying to save it now, but you can see how embarrassed they are. They have to, like, get around the, like, walk noodles to, like, show you where it happened. And it's like, good job, guys. Way to preserve that. <laughs> like, but, yeah, anyhow. That's, that's excellent. Um, yeah, I think you said, and so, yeah, Macau. Um, you've been to Macau then, yeah. Yeah, I've been to Macau. Macau, Macau is, uh, I don't know, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear, or do you want to hear what I really think of Macau? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, all right. It's amazing, dude. Just nonstop action, wall to wall. You're going to have a great time. But, like, no, the, it, Macau's goofy, man. It's like, it, it, it's like, uh, I, 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 it's, it's one of those places you need to see. Like, you just, yeah. you need to see it at some point. But I want you to remember when you're taking that ferry across the water and, like, all the lights of, like, or, the Las Vegas of the Orient is, like, glimmering off the water i want you to remember underneath those waves there's literally thousands of bodies of chinese people who tried to swim from the mainland to make two bucks an hour in macau and didn't make the six miles or whatever it was okay so it's like it's a very sullen affair if you actually know the history and there's this like i don't know it's it it does have like a rich history but it's a very painful history you know what i mean and it's like I, I ended up when I was there, you should go see like what the Portuguese did there. Right. And like th th there's like Portuguese churches there that are hundreds and hundreds of years old and there's old harbors and those are pretty cool. Uh, I went to a few of those and I ended up, you know, I was like, I'm going to walk back, you know, I'm going to walk back to my hotel. Right. So I'm walking back and I went in the slums and it was like, whoa, dude, like it was, it was hardcore. Right. And it was like, I mean, there was this stuff like, you know, just people stacked on top of people and like kids looking emaciated. And then it like hit me like a rock. People die to come here. Like people die to come to the city. Right. This is the good part of this country. Right. And I was like, dude, I wanted to like break down in tears. I was like, it's not fair. You know what I mean? I was like, it's just not, you know, and I'm not one of those big like, you know, let's you know, let's equalize all the pay for everybody. But I was like, it was pretty messed up, like walking through that and then going into this shining decadent, you know, casino. And then yeah. it, it was just, it's goofy. It's like, it's weird. Like when you see it, you know what I mean? It's like, I imagine going to Dubai, right? Everybody's like, oh, you know, how could you knock on the Middle East? Have you ever seen Dubai? Dubai is beautiful. I'm like, Dubai with the slave trade that's building the stadiums? Like, is that is that what I want to see? And it's like, oh, well, pfft. You know, if you're going to bring up the whole slave thing, you know, it's like it's, you know, and I know they're not like slaves in China, but it's like, you know, getting a dollar twenty an hour. I can't imagine is easy to live off of. You know what I mean? And then you and it wouldn't be so bad if you just didn't see how much money this city had. You know what yeah. I mean? You just didn't see. And then, you know, you go into the casinos and you start noticing how sad a lot of the people look like the presenters. And it's just it's a little too much. You know what I mean? But like, you know, I mean, there was also like, I, I don't know, I came to another street and like, you, you know, I saw like a Chinese family that obviously had done a little better for themselves. And like, you know, it was still big, but they, you know, they looked a lot happier. And there was, you know, there's like some old city aspects, like you forget it's a Portuguese colony. It was a Portuguese colony at some point. It's pretty cool. All the signs are in Mandarin Chinese and Portuguese. Not one person on that island speaks either of those languages. Uh, which is always fun. And uh, don't try the Portuguese food because it's the worst tasting thing I've ever tasted in my life. 
Like I was, I was there with Matt Affleck and we went to a restaurant and he, he was like, I'm going to get a cheeseburger. I, he literally said, I'm going to get a cheeseburgers, fries and a Coke. I was like, be more American, please, bro. Like, <laughs> please be more American. You're not quite fitting every stereotype right now. Right. You're going to bring a boom box in here next time. And like, and I was like, you know, and then I was going to show him like how highfalutin I was. I was like, what's a local dish like you have to try, you know, like what's something that really goes back to like the Portuguese days. Right. And they were like this dish. And I was like, OK, and dude, it was the nastiest thing I've ever tasted in my <laughs> life. And Fuck. and then Affleck, Affleck was just laughing his ass off. He's like, you enjoying that? How's my cheeseburger look now? You want to be American again? <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, oh, like, and then, yeah, it was, uh, it was funny. But no, I mean, like, you got to go there for the experience. You got to see, everybody's got to see Hong Kong and Macau at some point. It's just like, it's just crazy, man. It's just it. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Hong Kong a good few times, but I never, ever went to Macau. And this time I was looking at it and you can get the ferry across and then back. So I'll just do a day trip thing. I won't be staying there or anything. You know? And you're going, you're going to the mainland this time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to the mainland as well, yeah. What's the... I've done that before. I've, I've been to Shenzhen and Guangzhou before. How is, um, how is it? I, I've always wanted to go yeah, to Macau. Yeah, good, good. I mean, as I say, I didn't venture too far in. I went to, like, main commercial hubs and yeah. stuff like that. And I, You see some poverty and you see some thing, but nothing was really sort of like stand out or in your face and stuff what i did see was like a lot of beggars there um with like their limbs off like total yeah. like arms and legs completely gone you know on little like skateboards with wheels and shit you know <laughs> yeah. uh like eddie murphy in trading places oh no you know, yeah like that. i can walk yeah, yeah, it's a miracle. No. But um, and I, I remember saying to my mate, like we were there. This was about ten years ago. And we were having this discussion. I was like, wonder why it's so many like people like that. You see, like here, it's just because the population's more. So you see, you know, people like missing limbs and stuff like that. And this guy actually told us. He said, no, what it is is, um, some of them they're into debt so much with like triad gangs and stuff they cut their limbs off and make them beg to pay back the money, like, or their family gets. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, know? yeah. I was going to say, like, maybe it was in the sweatshops. They got their hand caught or something, you know. Yeah. And then, oh, my yeah. God. That's, I know. No, I've read. Uh, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this writer from, he, he got, essentially they were going to kill him in China and they, they he left Beijing and he lives in England now his name's Ma I, I think it's Ma Jian M A space J I A N and he writes he writes books about mainland China and like to me it's like to me it's like horror like what he writes but he he claims he doesn't exaggerate about anything uh he has a new book called The Dark Road which it's pretty clear he's like he's pushing the dystopia on it a bit, right? Like if these are true stories about China, they're like he's like he's amped it up a bit with the way he writes it. But the amount of stuff I've read in the, that book that is true, like huh. you can Google and then like find like videos of and pictures of. It's yeah. it is like it, it's to the point where I don't want to repeat it here. It's so bad, right? Yeah. It's like you don't realize, but like when a country tells you like who you are and what you can do and everything you're allowed to do and you're not allowed to don't, literally don't walk down that street. You're not allowed to walk down that street. 
And if you walk down that, you know, and then it's like, what are we going to do for money? Well, you'll do anything for money, won't you? You know, like what that does to people is pretty grotesque, you know. And then, yeah. and then you know, you go to other parts of China, it's just like gorgeous, you know what I mean? It's just like beautiful. And then, you know, he writes about like peasants, you know, and that. Well, like they need like work permits to like go to the nicer cities and like they put them in like internment camps if they catch them trying to work in the nicer cities and stuff like that. So they're literally like not allowed to travel about their own country and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, it's just, you know, like being from the States or from Scotland, it's like, you know, we can't even like process what that would be like. Like it just doesn't even make sense. Like anyhow. Anyhow, yeah. well, on that. So, sorry, sorry for hijacking it. No, um, no I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, okay, we got around about seven, eight minutes left. Um, so we'll, the last question for this show, um, see if you can answer this one, Alex. Um, we got, it's from Reese. Alex, could you please touch on calculating pot equity and a little more of how I can use some basic maths to improve my game? Thanks. Okay, uh, like the big, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the stuff that tricks uh, excuse me, trips everybody up, but uh, it, it seems kind of counterintuitive at first, or it's not counterintuitive, it's just I don't think anybody ever explains it to anyone, right? And then once you get it, like, you're, you're never going to forget it, right? Um, the way to find out how often your bet needs to work as a bluff is you take the size of your bet uh, divided by the entire pot. So let's say, uh, let's say there's a $200 pot, uh, there, it, there's, uh, it, there's a $200 pot in the middle, and you bet $100. You wouldn't divide 100 divided by 200 because you get your $100 back when you succeed. So it's actually 100 divided by 300, which would mean your bet needs to work 33% of the time. Now, what this means, now a lot of people go like, well, this means my opponent needs to defend with 66% of his hands, right? Uh, otherwise... Uh, otherwise he's just immediately getting exploited. And yes, that's true. However, if you're in caller's position, I wouldn't obsess about getting exactly 66% of your range to call because there are times, uh, like if it were a one street game, that would be wonderful. But there are times you're calling with hands that will turn into negative EV hands uh, just because further streets are going to come into play. But anyhow, so... Uh, yeah, that was a bit of a digression. So if you bet like you, whatever you bet divided by the entire pot. So let's say you bet $200 into that pot, right? Now you do 200 over 400, 200 divided by 400, 50%. See, real easy. Now let's say you bet 400, right? Uh, you bet $400 into that 200. So it's 400 over 600. Now this is crazy. If you bet two times the size of the pot, it needs to work only 66. It, it needs to work two thirds of the time. 66.6 repeating, right? And that's pretty crazy because if you ask most people, like, I bet two times the size of the pot, how does that need to work? They'll answer, like, always and then some. So mm-hmm. your over bets are really uh, – in. what's more interesting to me is, like, what's in the middle is, like, if you bet uh, – let's say you bet uh, 300 into that pot. You bet 1.5x. So now it's 300 over 500. It needs to work 60% of the time. Usually if I bet 1.5x the size of the pot, my opponents are not defending with 40% of their hands, right? They're not defending with four hands out of 10, right? 
So this really helps you on, by the way, this is going to be the most complicated part of the show by far. So be, feel free <laughs> to repeat it and take down notes because this is all stuff I didn't really understand for years. Uh, but like, if you bet like, let's say the board is capped, right? Like the board is like eight of spades, seven of spades, you know, uh, five of diamonds. And a lot of people would raise with their combo draws, their nut flush draws, their sets, their made straights, uh, their, set, uh, their over pairs. If you overbet the turn, right, you think like, oh, this guy's not folding to my turn bet and on the river he's probably just going to call me because, oh, I get to see his hand. You can overbet the turn. Like this is a play I don't use that much anymore because people at high stakes had pretty much figured it out uh, when I did it. Uh, usually when I'm doing it now, I have a hand, like I have a set because like my opponents now have gotten a little suspicious of it. So they're like, sweet, I have second pair. I'm going to jam. And then, oh no, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Like when, once it gets like rock, paper, scissors, right. But uh, you overbet there. And like, if the guy's like, you think about how sick you would feel with like, let's say the turns a queen, right. And you have ace eight, which is the top of your flop calling range. Now the guy leads for 1.5x the size of the pot. How sick do you feel with ace eight? You feel horrible, right? And that's the top of your range, which means you're probably folding a lot of the other like crappy, uh, crappy pairs and crappy draws and stuff like that. So there's no chance you're defending with 40% of your hands. That's just like really likely not to happen. Now if you're calling. Okay, let's go back to the $200 and we bet $100, right? Now, if you're calling that $100, a lot of people think like, well, I need to have like 33% equity. I, I mean, I need, you know, I need 33% equity because I'm calling one unit to win three. But hopefully you're starting to see where that's wrong. You're calling one unit to win four. You're calling 100 to win 400. Because once you put that 100 in there, there will be 400 in the pot. So really you need 25% equity. Now remember, you don't just want, there's a lot of times you'll put in like your hand on hold a manager and it'll say, hey, you have 27% equity here. Go ahead and call. You do have to think of like how the further streets are going to play out. This is why you'll see like pros calling with a lot of like backdoor draws and like over cards and stuff like that. Those hands play very well when they hit on the turn. Uh, they're much easier to play than like, let's say you just have a bare ace, right? You have like ace, no kicker. And it's like, maybe you have like the minimum amount of equity, but like, this is a very hard hand to play. If you miss on the turn versus any bet, you really can't do anything. Whereas if you turn to your combo draw, you know, you had a lot of cards that could help to you, especially, especially with the backdoor draws and over in multiple over cards. And if you hit your ace, you're not really excited about that hand. Because if it's the best hand, most likely you're not going to get much more out of your opponent. And if it's not the best hand, and, which is really likely because a lot of ace-x combinations will make two pairs there on your opponent, you're probably going to lose a significant amount of change. So while like in a vacuum you have enough ac equity practicality-wise, considering further streets, you're going to lose your shirt if you play this hand. So uh, those are some things I... Those are kind of the things I think of most. Uh, you can apply this to preflop as well. You know, like, it, the big thing is, like, when I'm preflop stealing, right, and this is honestly something, I, like, I wrote Why Pisegnos, right, like, three years ago. This is still something I, 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 I struggle with, like, to this day. Like, I, I need, like, I, you know, I play, like, 
very, I play like very good ranges from every position. I feel very good about my position uh, starting hands. I just, uh, for some reason, I still seem to struggle a bit from the button. Uh, I, I think I'm opening too many hands or not enough or something. It seems like it just seems like I have bad timing. So I really like hammer down what I need to be looking for. And let's say you've been raised and you do all that math. You do two X divided by, you know, the five X in the pot uh, that's now in the pot. Uh, so that bet needs to work 40% of the time. And uh, you uh, you find the guy to your left, his fold small blind to steal is 80%. And you see the big blinds fold to steal is 80%. All you need to do to find out how often both players are folding is multiply those two together. So 0.8 times 0.8 becomes 0.64. That's much, that's 24% higher than the 40% of the time you need this bet to work. So you can raise a little more liberally there. Maybe I would normally never raise like a 9-2 suited, but maybe I'm going to open it there. Maybe if I have like a stack that's really hard to flat or three better do anything with, I'll open nine deuce offsuit. And it seems to have helped me get deeper in a lot of tournaments I didn't really uh, probably deserve to. Uh, but like, that's really good. And then when you go to, uh, let's say you're the cutoff, right? And you want to raise through the button, uh, the small blind, the big blind, take the small blind, big blinds, like fold to steel, and then take like the number of hands you think, uh, button is playing, right? Uh, you can put in like the, you, you can incorporate the calling range and the free betting range. And then just subtract that from 100, and then you have his folding range, and just multiply that with the other two numbers, and then you'll find out how you're getting through all three players. I know if he flats you, you do get to see a flop, but we're just going to assume we're, like, dead uh, the second he flats for simplification. I think this will also help you in your head, like, check fold more often when you're blind stealing, because many people make good blind steals, and then they completely mess it up by c-betting too much. And, uh... That, that's definitely something to work on. And a lot of times I wouldn't go further than a cutoff uh, for just like scaling. Uh, for, I, I think it's really hard to make it work. Like in the hijack, like if you have two very passive players in position, maybe you could open some ace blockers and some weaker like two gappers and stuff like that. But like if you guys ever watch me play cash, like I'll even have like really strong hands in the hijack. Like I'll have like uh queen jack off to me is like a pretty strong hand there. And a lot of times I'll fold it uh, like queen nine suited is a very good, like two gapper and I'll fold it. Uh, but like in tournaments you do have to, you know, you, you do have to dance a bit, you know what I mean? You, ha you have to build up big blinds and you have to recognize when those stack dynamics are going to make it very difficult for someone to play back at you. And you're going to open up a bit more. Okay. Well, hope that gives you some pointers to think of and, I always liked that little sub. It was when I first had my lesson with Alex. I remember you, you gave me that little uh, workout, the percentage, how many times it has to work thing. And once you start playing around with that, it's really interesting. Make makes you think a lot. You know, it was like, uh, I don't know, sort of like now the blind could see sort of thing. When yeah, I, when yeah. I it's like, yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like, the Bellagio. It's a simple sum. Yeah, the Bellagio, yeah, the Bellagio didn't build those fountains not knowing what th their bets needed to accomplish. You know what I mean? That, so we're yeah. just trying to take on that responsibility whenever we're uh, playing poker in uh, a game. 
a card game like this where it's pretty easy to do the calculations if we just think about it for a second. Yes, the blind can see. I'm glad I, get, <laughs> glad I could help you. No, you, no, uh, you no longer have to beg in China. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm actually scared myself of China now as well, uh, talking about it. Like, no. um, The last time I was there was eight years ago. I was a little bit younger. I think as you get older, you start thinking about machetes and things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit more worried. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for all your questions in. Keep them coming in for Alex. Send them into questions at oneouter.com or tweet them to at oneouter.com, or post them in the Facebook group, and we will always get to them and read them out. Alex, how can people get in touch with you for more information and help with maths and poker things and all your goodness? Uh, go ahead and write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com if you guys have questions about anything you heard here today. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the TheAssassinato, uh, facebook.com slash assassinato. Uh, we're... Also, we have the Twitch.tv channel, twitch.tv slash TheAssassinato. I try to support you guys because you support me. So, like, if I'm recommending any product there, it's because I've personally worked with it, and I like it, and I usually got you guys a discount. Uh, some of them, there, there was one guy. I used to be able to get a discount from this one company, and uh, he was like, hey, could I get a discount on I'm like, yeah, just click that link, right? So he clicks through the link. The discount wasn't there anymore. So it looked like I just totally, like, BSed him, right? It's like, just go through, man. You got it. And then, yeah, but usually we have a, uh, usually we have a deal on whatever. And if you write us privately, you know, and just ask what you want from the page, we can see what we can do. And, uh, yeah, you know, check out that page, like, underneath the stream. Even when it's offline, it shows you all the stuff we got. There's a bunch of free articles. There's a bunch of uh, preview. There's a bunch of, like, previews for, like, my uh, uh, my webinars and stuff like that. Uh, if you want to uh the cheapest way to, like, uh, get training from me is from Card Runners. And not just training from me, but probably the best MTT or Alive uh, as far as online tournaments go, Ape Styles. Uh, we both reside at Card Runners. Uh, you can uh, sign up there for two months for $30 to get uh, access to 2,000 plus videos with promo code free month, all capital letters. And be sure to follow my site, PokerEdrush.com. That's kind of my fun site. There we have all the battle rap, strategy articles, interviews, uh, random blogs where uh, apparently Barry was reading the other day, and then... Uh, yeah, yeah, I read one. <laughs> uh, you, read, you read one, thanks. Uh, I, I, I'm a regular reader. I, I read Alex stuff before we got talking, and I, I do try and catch the old one as well. I think I got it emailed, or maybe it was Facebook oh, really? I got it on or something. Yeah, I, feel, I can't remember. I feel bad now because like, I get like four hours to write like during the week, right? Like my blogs, and like I'll just pound out like 20 blogs, right? Publish them all. And then, like, I'll have, like, notifications come up for the next, like, week, right? Like, and this is out, and this is out. You guys can check in. I forgot there's email subscribers. So, like, a lot of you guys get, like, 20 emails, <laughs> like, when I publish all those articles. And it's, like, I don't know. It's kind of like seeing behind the curtain, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it just puts them all together at the same time. It's not, like, a steady, like, diet of them. But, yeah, you can check there, like, I think the last uh, – I think the last blog post we were talking about steak, new tropics, battle rap, final tables, and uh, horror movies. So you know, there's a little something for everyone, and it's uh, you know, it's a good time. You know, and I, you know what I mean. It's a good time. There's also like music there, and everybody apparently 
don't know. I've gotten a lot of letters like, what were you playing on that Twitch, man? I really dug that. So, like, what I do is uh, I just put all the albums together that have been played on the Twitch, say a few words about each, why I like them, or sometimes why I don't. I randomly select them, and then sometimes I'm like, how is this in my library? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, I have, like, a reverence for the RNG when it comes to, like, uh, when it comes to music. And so it's like, yeah, you got to hear it. And, uh, yeah, that's at PokerEdrush.com. And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, if you guys want to play with me on America's Card Room, be sure to sign up. Uh, be sure to sign up through the link. Uh, you don't need a promo code or anything. You'll just get 27% rake back right away. And I, I got a way you can get free training if you sign up through that link and you deposit. All you got to do is write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com after you've deposited on America's Card Room. Send me your sign-in name, sign in, uh, send me your email. I'll go ahead and check with America's Card Room. And, uh, you know, once they tell me, yep, he's signed up under your thing, you get a free copy of You Flat Too Much, uh, That's a Check Race Fool, or Dissecting the Donk Bet, or Why Pisagno is Right, any which, and you can read all about them uh, at twitch.tv slash, uh, uh, slash the assassinato. Uh, go ahead and read read about them, read the preview articles, figure out which one you will like. And we got, Barry, I got to tell you this just because it was funny. <laughs> we had like five people who had like an America's Card Room account for like five years. And they mm. sent us like, hey, I signed up and I deposited under your thing. And I'm like, cool, man, hold on one second. I'll go run a check. You know what I mean? And it's like I send the thing off and they're like, yeah, this guy signed up through, through like some affiliate like four years ago like <laughs> and he didn't <laughs> deposit and it's like oh okay so i come back yeah sorry bro and you know you have to do that awkward like we both know you just tried to hustle yeah. me but like we're not going to talk about it like <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah all right man y'all have a good day like uh yeah see ya <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh good, good luck <laughs> you know like yeah that was pretty well i've already said this one guy was like i already deposited oh no what was it he was like i created an account now send me all the webinars like <laughs> you know what i mean it, like the thing quite and i kind of got the idea the guy was just hoping my assistant had a brain fart and just sent them out right and i was like dude you didn't you know we and we came to find out didn't create an account didn't deposit probably not even his real email i like just you know <laughs> but yeah don't try to do that to me man it's gonna it it's, uh, takes, you know, I, I can run, I can run the checks, man. I got, I got, I know America's card room pretty well. They're pretty cool. Oh, and yeah, you guys want to get on America's card room right now. Cause we're, we're going to have, there's going to be like $5 million tournaments in a row, uh, coming up, which is going to be pretty sick. And then, uh, there's also Punta Cana satellites running. If you guys want like a free all expenses paid trip to, uh, the Dominican Republic, Pretty much anybody who plays anything gets entered in the rake race, and it's like the top 200 get entered in a free tournament to win like an all-expenses-paid trip to Punta Cana, which was the first, uh, the first place in the Americas where the Europeans, the greatest humans to ever live, landed. And yeah, you guys can check it out. It's a yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's also the beach and all that stuff. It's like it's like PCA except for the Coca Colas aren't seventeen dollars. And, you know, stuff like that. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, okay, Alex. Well, um, when are you off to WPT? I'm, uh, I think this Friday. Uh, this Friday, yep. Okay, good. yeah. So we're going to speak next Thursday. So um, hopefully 
Uh, you do well there. Good luck. Yeah, we, and, uh, we, yeah. we talk tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk tomorrow. Oh, okay. I know, oh but, I feel you. But, I, oh, you were, you were trying. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were trying. I, I was like, do I have the schedule right? And, <laughs> no, we, uh, we talk tomorrow, but the listeners won't get this show. Uh, you got it. Yeah, we put it in the can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Alex has seen behind the curtain. He's ruined the magic. I have. It's not, I, uh, it's not live when you listen to oh, it. Oh, and if you guys <laughs> see me at the WPT, please come up and say hi, man. I really appreciate it when you got uh, – a few of you guys said, like, I saw you in the lobby, but I didn't want to bother you. Dude, 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 you can always – if you're a one-outer fan, you know, come say what's up. I'll probably scream about everything that's pissing me off even though I don't know you. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll be on our merry way, you know, and you can you – can, yeah, you can talk to us, man. You know, we're cool. We're accessible. But, yeah, man, it's uh, – yeah, come say hi to me if you see me at the WBT. Yeah, good luck uh, next week at the WPT. And, Alex, I'll speak with you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. The Free Buy Super Series is back. From August 28th to September 6th, America's Card Room will host the Free Buy Super Series 2, where you can compete for your share of $150,000 guaranteed prize pool absolutely free. Every one of the 57 events in the Free Buy Super Series is free to enter with guaranteed prize pools starting at $500 and spiral all the way up to the $20,000 main event. Where else can you win a share of $150,000 prize pools without spending a penny. Visit americascardroom.com today.